God, we need you. We know we are broken and desolate and alone. And we need your love and your grace in our lives to show us that we are not a product of our own hearts, of our own darkness, but we are a product of the redeeming love that you've poured out into our lives. God, help us to experience and feel that and know that in our own hearts and lives and help us to see that in others as we seek to spread your love and your joy and your peace and your redemptive story to those who are around us. For it's your name we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. All right. Hey, good morning. It is so good to see you guys this morning. Everybody doing well? All right. Fantastic. Well, we are continuing our teaching series called Timeless Truths for Trying Times. And if you have your Bible this morning, let's just celebrate the fact that we have a word from God to hear today. And let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Yeah, we can celebrate that as good stuff. Well, it is uh, incredible to be here this morning. There are a lot of things going on today. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Discovery Class is meeting right now. There's about 16 or 18 people who are part of Discovery Class, and I just transitioned from there to here, and so I'm catching my breath a little bit to change modes and to get ready to uh, to speak and hopefully help you guys understand a little bit more about what God would have to say to us this morning. Uh, but there's a lot of things that are going on in the life of our church today that we'll be talking about throughout this morning. And so we're glad you're here to be a part of that and to hear what God's doing. So let's read this together. Matthew chapter 7, start in verse 1. We're going to read to verse 6. Matthew says this, Do not judge. This is actually Jesus talking. Matthew's quoting it. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give the dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under feet uh, and turn and tear you to pieces. All right, now, we live in a culture that is just built around judgmentalism. Have you ever noticed that? I don't know if anybody this week has ever you know, felt judged. Uh, maybe you judged somebody. Probably within the context of this week, both of those things happened. Uh, but we live in a culture that is just built around critiquing people and judging people. Uh, and these critiques really happen in a lot of de- different places. You've got things that, I know American Idol's over now, but that was kind of my, my thing for a while. But you've got American Idol and America's Got Talent and all these things that are on TV. And what do we get to do? We get to watch other people perform for us. And then judge whether or not they were good enough and vote accordingly. You're off the show. You get to stay on the show, right? And so we're going to critique and we're going to judge people. We have that going on in our culture. Uh, More prevalent probably in our personal lives is the platform of social media and how it exists. Anybody felt any judgment from social media lately? I can sure tell you that I have, right? Uh, There is so much that's going on where people just feel like they should voice their opinion about everything. And if if they disagree with you, they're going to make that known. Harshly, most of the time. And so there's disagreement and discourse that takes place on social media, social media where there are things that people are judged about. And then we can think about even how we judge and critique people and individuals based on appearance and looks. I mean, in our culture recently, in the last few years, body shaming has become a huge term that's used in our culture, primarily against women. And we go, you know what, we look at people and just we determine whether or not you're beautiful and worth anything based on how you look. And we look and we compare people to images that we see on magazines or on TV. And we go, you know what, 
most of those people, that's, especially magazines, that's, most of that's airbrushed anyway. They don't even look like that. And yet we're comparing you to look like that and expecting you to look like that. And so there's judgmentalism that happens in a lot of different facets of life and in a lot of different places in life. And maybe it's been this week that that's felt that way to you. You've either judged someone and you can think back and go now, oh my gosh, I remember something that I did and said to somebody that was judgmental. Or I can remember immediately that somebody judged me this week and that I felt the sting of that. Well, today we're going to see a teaching by Jesus that I hope is going to allow us to get a glimpse into what His heart is in His kingdom about how we should approach one another when it comes to this topic of judging people. And I have to be honest with you. This has been a stressful week for me getting ready for a message about judging people. Because my heart, my, my mind all week long has been like, what if I say something dumb and I'm wrong and somebody disagrees with me and they're going to judge me about what I'm saying about judging other people and it's going to be awkward and it's going to be crazy. And so I've been stressed out about this message <laughs> this week. So there's just an insight into my soul and that was really to say, don't judge me, all right? But look at what Matthew, said, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says when Jesus starts talking about this. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Now let's just stop there because... Here's a verse that, aside from John 3.16, may be one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture, but it's not famous among Christians. This is the one that non-Christians know. If they don't know another verse in the Bible, non-Christians know and use this verse. Doesn't the Bible say, you can't judge me? Do not judge, or you'll be judged, right? And so they're quick to throw that out. They don't know anything else about what the Bible says, but they know this verse. And so when we think about this verse, and we kind of look at this and go, you know what, there are things that when we... Think about this. The application of this verse and how they use it is, look, you stay out of my business. I don't want you looking into my life. I don't want you investigating anything in my life. I don't want you to disagree with my lifestyle choices. In fact, you're not allowed to disagree with my lifestyle choices. And so they want to create this culture of relativism, that everything's just fine and you can't say anything against me and you can't believe differently than me. And if you do, you're hypocritical and you're a judge. So in this verse, when we see this, is Jesus saying it's never right to judge someone. Is it wrong to judge someone's life and point things out that they're doing that are inappropriate? And the simple answer is no. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. You go, but he says, do not judge. Like, how, is that, how can that be any more clear? Well, Jesus is talking about some, something in this passage that I want us to understand. Jesus is condemning a harsh attitude in judging people. That he's saying we need to understand and come at people, especially in the kingdom of God, with a heart and an attitude that's not harsh and critical when it comes to recognizing sin and problems and issues that exist in your life and in my life. And so Jesus is not saying you can never, ever judge anybody. You can never hold anybody accountable for anything they're doing wrong. In fact, there are so many scriptural places that we can see that there is evidence of people who will get engaged in someone else's life and go, you're not doing that right. You need to change your ways. Turn from what you're doing. Stop living that way. That's not a lifestyle pleasing to God. Jesus says that. Jesus, when he's confronted with people who are living in sin, will tell them, listen, nobody here is judging you, but go and leave your life of sin. You have to stop what you're doing. This isn't right. It's not appropriate. It's not what I'm about and my kingdom's built on. Later on in Matthew, we're going to see in just a couple of weeks that Jesus is going to tell us to look in, around the church and to use wisdom in how we uh, evaluate and critique other people that are going on because he's going to say there are 
uh, leaders who will come into the church and they'll pretend like they're followers of Christ, but they're really wolves in sheep's clothing. And you need to be able to look at their life and investigate the fruit of their life and see whether or not they're really living out the principles of godliness. And if they're not, you need to hold them accountable to that. So can we judge in the sense that we look at people, explore their life, investigate what's going on, notice if there are problems and issues that is not right in the sight of God? Yes, we can do that. Do we do that with a harsh and critical attitude? No, we can't do that. And so Jesus says, don't judge unless you too will be judged. For, look at verse 2, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So in these verses, Jesus is giving us a wisdom warning. He doesn't say never ever judge anybody about anything. He says, be careful, because in the same way you judge others, that's how you'll be judged. And so I need to know, if I'm going to see something that's sinful in the life of a brother or sister in Christ, and I'm going to approach them, and I'm going to point that out to them, then I need to know, if I do that with harshness and criticism, that that's the same measure at which they can come back against me about things they see in my life. So Jesus is telling us in a, in a wisdom warning here, don't judge others in the same way you do judge. That's the measure that will be used to measure you. So Jesus wants us to understand that the world system of judging is built on, um, on co- condemnation. That when they think about judging people, it's built on condemnation. I don't like what you're doing. I don't agree with what you're doing. So I condemn you for what you're doing. Jesus says that's not at all how things should operate in the church. That's not at all what things should look like in the way that you follow me. When you're going to come into the church of God and when you're going to follow, have followers of Christ that you're trying to help, it doesn't mean we can't evaluate things going on around us and make decisions about what's right and what's wrong, but do it with a heart and with a measurement that you would want other people to talk to you about the issues going on in your life. And so Jesus says you be careful about how you judge because that's the same way God and other people will judge you. Who did Jesus have the most problems with when he was on earth? It was always the Pharisees, right? It was always the people who were the most critical of how God's people lived. They were always watching over the backside of the Jewish people and going, no, you can't do that. No, that's wrong. Oh, you broke that law. And Jesus always had a hard time with them. He says, you're so quick to point out the problems in other people's lives, but you're not willing to do anything to investigate and clean up your own life. You have a sense of morality that's built on following a law. And you want to hold people accountable to the letter of the law, but you're not pointing them toward a relationship with God. You're not showing mercy and grace and compassion to them. And so Jesus says, that's the people that I have a hard time with. It's the ones that always are constantly looking at other people in harsh judgment and criticism and are condemning of others. But I want you to notice also this puts us in a dangerous place. Look at what Jesus said. And these are a blank on your outline if you want to fill this in. When we judge others... We open ourselves up to judgment. And so Jesus would say, look, don't, don't judge other people or you will be judged. When you step into the seat of judging, it opens you up to other people looking into your life. Have you ever seen this at play? You point something else out. Maybe it's in a family situation. This is where most of the judging happens, right? And so you see something going on in your family and you point it out to someone. And then what do they do? They immediately turn around and go, well, I see this in your life. You open me up to judgment, well, I'll open you up to judgment. And all of a sudden, it's about deflecting. You're going to point out faults in my life, I'm going to point out faults in your life. And so Jesus says, listen, the way that you go about 
bringing up issues of sin and judging other people. Be cautious about how you do that because the measure to which you do, it will be measured back to you. So be cautious about how you judge. So Jesus warns us. And here's what else we'll see. The sins that, that we struggle with. Have you ever thought about this? The sins we struggle with, we can make them seem so natural. Oh, everybody struggles with that sin. It's not that bad. But if we see somebody else doing something the same way, it is a catastrophe in their life. It's not that bad for me. I've got this under control. I'm not a bad sinner. But you, oh my gosh, what you're doing is heinous. And so when Jesus points these things out, He says, listen, you be far more generous to others than you even are to yourself because we tend to flip that. I'm far more generous to myself in my sin than I'm generous and merciful to you in your sin. Jesus said that's a quick way to move from, from loving people and holding people accountable in a godly way to judging and condemning and critiquing in a way that would go against the heart of God. And it will destroy fellowship between people. So we need to walk lightly toward the path of standing in judgment of someone. The difference between when we think about judging and holding an evaluation and condemnation, right? Because those are the two sides of this. That if I look at someone's life or I look at an issue that's happening in the life of our church or if I look at somebody who's struggling with sin and I can evaluate and with wisdom I can say, I know based on Scripture that the life they're living is wrong. I can evaluate that. But I can't condemn that. And the difference between evaluation and condemnation is what? It's our attitude. It's our attitude. Hey, I want to come to you and I want to point out something and I want to do this in the most loving, respectful, hopeful, helpful way possible. And I want you to know that I'm not judging you, I'm not critiquing you, I'm not condemning you, but out of love and respect for you, I think I see something in your life that, that you need help. But we can't do that with an attitude of condemnation. But it's all about our attitude. In Jesus' kingdom, there's no room for condemning. So Jesus is going to go on in this same passage, and He's going to talk about what I said a few minutes ago. In verse 15, He's going to say, Watch out for false prophets and false teachers. So have your eyes open. Evaluate. But don't come at them and condemn them. Come at them and point out where you're wrong. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. So I'm not going to give that one away. But here's the next, next blank on your outline. We're called as Christians to unconditional love, not to unconditional approval. And here's what our culture wants. Our culture wants us to approve anything and everything that they do and say, don't judge me, I can do whatever I want and you have to accept me. And the truth is, is that we are called by God to love people who believe differently than we do, act differently than we do, behave differently than we do, but we do not have to accept the lifestyle, Right? We have to make that distinguishment in our Christian faith of saying, I can love you without embracing your lifestyle. I can love you without thinking that I have to have approval of what you're doing. And look at what Jesus has kind of pointed out. The rabbinic teaching, he said, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The rabbinic teaching had two ways that they said God judges the world. There were two measures with which God judges the world. The next blank on your outline is this. Justice and mercy. That God and people judge with justice and with mercy. So justice says you get what you deserve and what you've earned. So based on your bad life decisions, you're getting what you deserve, mister. That's justice. You get what you deserve and what you've earned. Mercy would say you're going to get from God and from me what you don't deserve based on what you've done. I'm going to extend love and gratitude and grace and peace to you. 
And when you notice someone in your family or your community group or within this church that's struggling with sin, how do you judge that? Are you quick to jump in with justice mentality? I see this in your life. It's wrong. You've got to stop that right now. And there's criticism, there's critique, and it's harsh and merciless and unsympathetic. Or can you see things that are happening in the life of people around you and respond with the other side of the scale of justice, and that's with mercy. To say, I know what's happening in your life, and I, I see this issue that you're dealing with, and I just want you to know I love you, and I'm here to walk through this with you. I'm here to show you gentleness and respectfulness. I want to be grace-filled in the way that I respond to you. Because that's what God's calling us to. Jesus say, be careful how you stand in judgment of someone else. That's the measure with which God will judge you. So do you want to stand in front of God someday and there be justice that's handed out? You're going to get exactly what you deserve. Or do you want there to be mercy that's measured out to you? You deserve eternal separation from me and eternal damnation. But because of what you've believed about my son Jesus, I'm offering you mercy and grace. And I'm extending an opportunity for you to come into my kingdom and live with me forever. We have to make that decision. And this is heavy because Jesus says if you live your entire life judging other people in condemning ways, you need to understand that that's the measure which will be used to judge you. So we have to be cautious in this. For those who think maybe they need to be the morality police, and in some regard all of us have this issue where we say, you know what, but I need to hold people accountable. They can't get away with stuff. Maybe you have a Pharisaic attitude in your heart. You go, I, I just want to be the morality police. There's a passage of Scripture I want to share with you. Romans chapter 14, verses 12 and 13 says this. Each of you will give an account of yourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Now, notice this. He says, you're going to give an account of everybody else in the room to God? No. He says, you're going to give an account of yourself. I mean, I am not going to give an account of my brother and his lifestyle. Praise God. That would be terrible, right? Um, and so when I think about my life, Jesus says you need to understand that you will stand before God and give an account of yourself. So stop passing judgment on other people. It's at the heart of God to hold people accountable. When I stand before God, He's going to hold me accountable. I am first and foremost responsible for my relationship with Jesus. Not walking around all the time going, how's your relationship? How's your relationship? How's your relationship? Let me hold you accountable. Let me point this out. Let me show you your faults. Look inside. Look in yourself first. All right? In fact, this gets us to our timeless truth for the day. Here's the timeless truth. If you're taking notes again, write this down. Before judging through the window into someone else's life, take a look at the mirror of your own life. Right? Before you start looking through the mirror like a peeping Tom into the sin life of someone else, and you want to evaluate and hold them accountable, hold a mirror up in front of you so that you can see what's happening in your own life. I mean, imagine how different the church might look to the outside world if all of us walking around held up a mirror in front of us saying, God, show me where I'm wrong. Show me my sin. Show me what I'm doing before we ever thought about calling the outside world who are not believers in Christ into account for the way that they live. I mean, I, I just find it amazing statistically, time after time after time, what we find out from the outside world when we uh, ask surveys is the number one thing that people dislike about Christians and the church is how judgmental we are. Now, whether that's imagined in their mind or whether it's true, I don't know. I can't speak. But the, in, the implication of people 
is that the church is a very condemning, harsh, judgmental place. The people of God who have been shown the most mercy of anyone in the world are viewed and looked at as the most critical, judgmental people in the world. That shouldn't be true. How do we get that to that place? Most people who are outside of faith in Christ would say Christians are so judgmental. So here's the question the church has to ask in the 21st century. Are we going to pursue people in love? Or are we going to judge people for their faults? We have to come to a place where we're able to look at life and say, my main objective and priority for the lost world is to pursue them in love. Not to point out their faults. Not to hold them accountable for things that they don't even know they're doing wrong. If they're outside of a faith relationship with God, if they don't know the Word of God, if they're not living according to His teachings, how am I going to hold them accountable to a lifestyle that they've not chosen to embrace? So others, the other side of that is I need to pursue them with love and mercy and grace instead of harshness and critiquing and criticism and judgmentalism. And so it makes me think about a friend of mine that I heard this week from one of my friends and uh, is a pastor in Arkansas and his wife uh, has a friend that, that um, has recently been in this dating relationship and she thought that what would take the relationship to the next level was that if she and her boyfriend got pregnant together, that if they got pregnant that he would want to marry her. And so she did, she got pregnant. And right after they found out she was pregnant, the guy just split, he left, he didn't want any part of it. And so this girl now, not a believer in Christ, not in the church, she decided that she was going to go and get an abortion. Well, my friend's wife, this pastor of a friend of mine, his wife is in friendship with this girl. And she's been trying to encourage her and counsel her not to get an abortion, keep the child, have the baby. It's not even her first baby. She's in her 30s. This is like a third child. She just wanted this new child because it was going to solidify the relationship. That's what she was pursuing. And so my friend's wife is now in this relationship with her and saying, look, please don't do this. Please don't make this mistake. Keep this child. At least if you don't want this child, give it up for adoption, whatever it may be. And so here's what's happening, though, in the relationship. She's not judging her. In fact, the girl set up the abortion appointment. She went to the abortion clinic. But my friend's wife said, listen, if you're going to do that, will you also let me go with you to a pregnancy crisis center where you can talk to somebody about the other option? And she agreed. She said, yeah, I'll do that. And so my friend's wife, on the same day she went to an abort- the abortion clinic, she picked her up and took her to a pregnancy crisis center, pregnancy resource center. And while she was there, the girl got to hear the heartbeat of that baby. And she got to view the other side of the story. And she still hasn't made up her mind, but here's what's happening. My friend's wife is staying in relationship with this girl. She's not judging her. She's not condemning her. If she chooses to have the abortion, abortion, she will not condemn her. She'll continue to build into that relationship. She'll continue to love her. She'll continue to show Christ to her. That's what we're supposed to be about. That even if people don't do things our way, that we're not going to condemn them and toss them aside, but we're going to pursue, pursue, pursue with the love of Christ and move toward a world that needs the hope of Jesus. But what about within the church? If that's someone who's outside the church, what should we do about people who are inside the church when there's issues of sin that are taking place here? Should we just let people do whatever they want and not have any accountability? Well, I don't think so. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. There's plenty of evidence in the Bible that we should hold one another accountable to living a godly life and pursuing holiness. But Jesus says we can't pursue holding others accountable for sin when we haven't dealt with the sin in our own life. 
mean, look at these next verses Jesus says. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? I mean, it baffles Jesus that we would walk around diligently inspecting. Do you have a speck? Do you have a speck? Like we are looking for the faults in other people and Jesus is going, how can you live like that in my kingdom? That you're walking around looking for the sin in the smallest degree when you're totally unwilling to recognize and identify you have a plank coming out of your eye. I mean, this is a comical illustration from Jesus and it would be a whole lot like us looking at two things. The first would be like these tweezers here. Right? And walking around all the time at church going, I think I see some sin in your life. Let me get that for you, right? Let me pick that out of your eye. And as you do that, people go, oh, that's how you want to be. You want to judge other people? Well, we're looking at your life now a little more closely, and there is a plank. In fact, forget the tweezers. We're going to have to get some tongs for this thing, all right? Here's what I'm going to remove from your eye. Just hold still. Ah, got it, right? And so you open yourself up to this judgmentalism. When you're walking around with tweezers going, let me get that for you, and you're not willing to recognize that you have something far, far worse in your eye, in your life. So Jesus goes, listen, be careful in the way that you hold people accountable, in the way that you condemn people. Because when we look at this, it's not that we can't hold people accountable. It's not that we can't do some things. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 5. You hypocrite. Now, listen. If Jesus is telling us not to judge people and then he calls us a hypocrite, I'm feeling pretty judged at this point, right? So Jesus is not saying don't judge people. He's going, look, you're the hypocrite. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, there's a process here. If you are the kind of person who needs to walk around with tweezers, you better pull the plank out of your own eye first. And then you'll be able to see more clearly how to help some other people. Guys, can I just tell you something? If you get somebody something in your eye, a little piece of metal or I don't know what you might get in your eye, maybe you're weed eating and grass flies in there, tweezers is not the best thing to get something out of your eyeball with. And I will learn that if when I'm evaluating my life, I figure out how Jesus removes things from my life. That I go, you know what? Jesus didn't use tweezers and tongs on me. He used something different in my life. Now, once I've pulled that out of my life, once Jesus has dealt with that sin in my life, and I'm capable of moving towards someone else who's struggling with the same thing that I've struggled with, now guess what? Now that it's been removed, he says, now, after you pull out the plank of your own life, then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Here's what you need. You need solution to squirt in there, not tweezers to pull it out. Now that you know how to remove the plank from your eye, you can see more clearly how to help your brother or sister. But when you're always trying to remove things without having dealt with stuff yourself, you don't know God's way of removing things from your life and your heart. So we've got to let God deal with us first. In fact, here's the next point in our outline. Before you point out sin in someone else's life, pray that the Holy Spirit reveals it first. Pray that you don't even have to be the person who points out sin. Ask God to use His Spirit to reveal to you the sin, or to reveal to someone else the sin that they're struggling with. I had a friend this week, we were talking, and he shared with me about an experience that he noticed someone he's very close to, and he said, I just know that there was this issue they were dealing with, and there was sin in their life, and it needed to be addressed, and I felt like because of the closeness of our relationship, I needed to say something. 
But then I felt like God was telling me, before you say something to that person, why don't you do some introspective looking and see what's going on in your life? So he said, I sat down with a journal and I just started writing down some things that I struggle with in sin. And he said, after I filled up a whole page, I just went, you know what, I don't think I need to talk to that person about their sins. I probably need to get on my knees and confess my sin to God first. And in the process of doing that, he said, the second thing that I started praying was, Holy Spirit, will you reveal the sin in that person's life to them in the same way you've done it to me? Nobody had to hold him accountable. He just started looking in the mirror instead of looking through the window. And if we'll do that in our relationships with other people, I think God's Spirit will start to do something powerful in our lives, encouraging in our lives. That He'll bring us to a place where we get on our knees and we recognize and identify our sin struggles. We say, God, take this away from me. And as you take this away from me, will you also let your Holy Spirit reveal to my friend and my family member where there's sin in their life and draw them to you? Hopefully and prayerfully that's what will happen, but there may still come a time in your life that you need to hold someone accountable. That there comes a point where you say, okay, I feel like I've dealt with sin in my life. I still see the sin in their life. They're not hearing the Holy Spirit in this. I need to be accountable with this person. I need to hold them accountable to something that's going on. What's the best way to hold someone accountable to where you're not coming at them with judgmentalism and criticism and critique? Let me give you three things really quick. They're not on your outline, but if you want to write this down, you can. Number one is have an accountability with relationship, within relationship. If you want to hold someone accountable that you don't have a relationship with, even if you don't mean it to come across as condemning and critic- uh, with criticism, guess what they're going to feel? They're probably going to feel condemned and criticized. If I don't know you at all, but I walk up to you in the hall and say, hey, you've got something I see in your life. Even if I say it in a loving way, you're probably going to feel condemned by me because that wasn't the right way to do that. Have, uh, have accountability within relationship. Number two, have accountability with love and with grace. Remember the point of accountability is reconciliation, not separation. So have accountability with love and with grace. And then the third thing is this. Have accountability that's mutual. In the relationship that you have accountability with someone, it needs to be mutual. If you're the only one that can speak into their life and they don't have the same permission to speak back into yours, that's not a good accountability relationship. So be mutual in the way that you agree. When we sit down together, you've got permission to speak into my life and I have permission to speak into your life and we're going to help one another to walk with Christ and to know Him and to follow Him. So let there be accountability that's mutual. Here's how I want to close this morning. Two messages to two different groups. Number one, to those who are followers of Jesus, and you belong here at GFC, this is church, this is home to you. We believe strongly at Grace Fellowship that life change happens in circles, not in rows. We say that all the time. That it's in relationship. It's not in these moments that most life change happens. Sometimes God does that. But most often we believe that it's when you're sitting around a circle with other people or around a table with other people and you're talking about life and you're looking at Scripture and you're reflecting on what God's been doing. It's usually in those circle relationships that the most life change happens. And I just wonder in our circle of influence in our community groups and in our church sphere here, if we could look at things and say, you know what? I wonder what next level places we could go in community groups. If people felt open to share and be honest about what's really happening in their hearts. Instead of feeling like 
even though I like these people, if I share that, I'm just afraid I'm going to be shamed or condemned or critiqued or judged. And whether we mean to or not, a lot of times we can set up uh, an environment that doesn't allow for open and honest sharing about the issues that we're struggling with in our life. And I just wonder what it would look like if we could be in agreement as a church to say when we sit in circles with people, it's a place of openness and honesty. And when you share your stuff and I share my stuff, that I'm not going to judge and you're not going to judge, but we're going to love and we're going to move toward one another in a loving way to help each other pursue the heart of God and the kingdom of God. So let's pursue that. Let's chase that. May it never be said that in the body of Christ that brothers and sisters are unable to open up and share honestly and love one another and help one another. Here's the second group of people. If you're not in God's family today, if this isn't home to you, if you're not even a believer in Christ, first, thank you for being here. It has to be crazy to wake up on a Sunday and go, I think I'm going to go and sit in church with people that I don't agree with. So thank you. Thank you for being here. The second thing that I would say to you is, if you're not in Christ because maybe you have felt like we're a very condemning, judgmental people, I want to apologize to you this morning. And I want to say that I'm sorry and that we're sorry that you have felt judgment from the kingdom of God and from the people of God. Because that's not who we're called to be. We have been shown extravagant grace. We have been shown mercy from our God like no one else. Jesus actually, the Bible says that Jesus actually came to seek and to save the lost. And that while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. He came to us when we should have been judged. And He showed mercy and grace. And so this morning, I just want to say to you, if you're outside of a relationship with Christ, and this has been a, a hard thing for you because you've felt judgmentalism from the church, that we're sorry. And I would invite you, if you would, if you would be willing and open, to just hang around to give us a chance to show that same kind of love and mercy and compassion to you that we've been shown in Christ. We would love that opportunity to be what God has called us to be. And when we mess it up, that we would be willing to ask forgiveness. Because we know we're not always perfect. I know I'm not perfect. I try to keep in mind when I'm preaching that you're not perfect. And when we think about the relationship we have, that we would think about a God who loves us so much that instead of condemning us, just outright condemning us, He pursued us by sending His Son. Jesus came for you. Jesus came to show you mercy and grace. And if we've messed that up somehow, that you haven't seen that mercy and grace, please forgive us. But please continue to seek God and know that He's seeking together. Heavenly Father, God, I love you. I'm grateful to you for all that you've done in the life of our church that you are doing and the things that you're showing us and revealing about yourself through your word. God, this is a hard teaching. This is a, a time where um, where we look at, at things and, and we have to take a really hard look in our life to know that before I can look through the mirror of someone else's life, I've got to look in, or the window of someone else's life, I've got to look in the mirror of my own. So, Father, draw us to a place of forgiveness. Draw us to a place of, of repentance in our personal lives where there's sin. And then help us know how we can serve and love our brothers and sisters. 
I love you, God, and trust you for these things, and I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.